Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. Welcome to Talk Tennis. Today, we are going to talk about tennis balls, and we have an absolute expert. Troy is joining me from the Tennis Warehouse team, but we have Chloe Lee, who is from Wilson, and your job title is like the coolest job title. (laughs) Chloe Lee is the Advanced Materials Engineer at Wilson Labs. So that sounds really impressive, Chloe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you pretty much nailed it. That's, um, <laughs> that's my job title. Um, but definitely more focused on tennis balls. My advanced materials are, are definitely focused into, um, kind of sports, uh, more, more specifically, but, um, but yeah, I've been there for three years in July. Um, so definitely have been able to, um, kind of pick up some more responsibilities as I've started. Um, like I said, I started back in 2018. So, um, since then I've, I've focused primarily on tennis balls, but I've also done a little bit of pickleballs as well as paddle. Um, and I've also been able to work on some projects and some other sports as well. So um, definitely an exciting opportunity at Wilson. Um, I started actually right after school, which was um, kind of crazy. I graduated in May of 2018 and started in July of, of 18. Um, it's a quick turnaround from school to, to work, but it was an opportunity that I felt I couldn't pass up. So. Yeah, I wanted you to tell that story a little bit because I was doing my research and Googling you and saw that you went and got, you were in a marketing like business degree, like master's in marketing and saw you actually had applied to Wilson to work in their marketing department. Yeah. So how did that happen? Yeah, so super roundabout way um, that I ended up in the position that I am. Um, I So yeah, I graduated and I knew I knew I wanted to get into sports. Um, so I did study engineering um, at Rutgers University and I played tennis for Rutgers, so go Knights. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so studied engineering and I, I loved engineering, but I did, I had some lab experience and I got um, and I, and I had project experience in, in electronics, nanomaterials and things of that, of that sort. And I wasn't super passionate about it. And so I kind of wanted to make a really just an industry pivot. I wanted to get into sports or, you know, something a little bit more interesting, um, to me. And so when I was graduating, I was kind of looking at the opportunities that were available. And unfortunately I didn't see any engineering opportunities. And so my, thought process was like, okay, let's apply to marketing. This is an internship. And then maybe I can get to know the right people or I can get involved in some projects or work on something on the side. And then maybe if kind of a full-time opportunity opens up, then I can make a pivot into engineering, which is what I wanted to do. So applied to the internship and I didn't get it. Oh no. Uh, I know. know. And then, um, but, but I did hear, uh, I did Wilson, a guy from HR reached out to me and Oh, well, you know, you applied to marketing, but if you're interested in an engineering position, we might, we might have something opening up. So, um, so it was definitely right place at the right time, um, interviewed through that and then, and then ended up getting the position. So it, again, I, my original thought process was go marketing, find someone in innovation, see if I can pivot while I'm there. And it just ended up being kind of perfect timing for me when I graduated. So again, I had to take the opportunity when it was, it was sitting there. So. 
definitely meant to be. That's awesome. And you're, it sounds like you're in such a good spot for what you're passionate about tennis and all this technology and materials and things that are way over my head. But (laughs) Troy and I have been doing this deep dive into learning as much about tennis balls as we can as tennis players. And we want to educate our listeners and the consumers out there. So I'm going to pass it over to Troy and he's going to start grilling you about some Wilson tennis ball questions. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Michelle's so engulfed in tennis balls. She's like completely surrounded by them. Uh, I think it inspired her design in, in the podcast room. I know I'm jealous. <laughs> I wish I had that background. I need to work on it. Oh, so yeah. Um, basically um, information that I've kind of been gathering or trying to to get uh, more of a deep dive in is just um, really comes down to like looking at the anatomy of the tennis ball, um, the different parts that make up the tennis ball going from the, the yellow fuzzy stuff on the outside to the, to the core of the ball. And even like looking at like the pressurization and what goes inside of the ball, as far as the air, or the gas that makes it up and all that stuff. So um, looking at the balls on our website that we um, currently offer, um, maybe we can kind of go through those and just kind of look at maybe what might be some slight differences in construction and how the ball's made and, you know, kind of dive into how that maybe would affect the performance and what, what really matters to the player. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. uh, The balls that we currently um, offer on our site here at TWS um, at the premium price point, we have the, the Federer ball, the RF legacy uh, right below at the U S open, and then sort of the championship line of uh, more of a value tennis ball. And then from there, um, we even have the Trinity all court and we can work our way into that because that's uh, definitely a unique tennis ball in its own right. So maybe we can start at the top and kind of talk about the the Federer ball, U.S. Open ball, the premium stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, you pretty much nailed it. The, the Federer ball and the U.S. Open ball are definitely two of our premium balls. Um, so these are Honestly, anyone can play with them, but really high-level players are going to prefer them. Um, and, and when it comes from a ball construction standpoint, they are pretty similar. The primary differences between them is going to be in the belt. So the cores between these balls are really high-level, like really high-quality cores, very low in fillers. Um, the, the construction of them are, is going to be really, really similar. The big difference, like I said, is just in the belt. So the... And, and it really just comes down to player preference. Um, the, the RF ball, we did uh, collaborate with him. So it really is sort of his, his choice of belt, his, his choice of ball. So that's cool. Um, and then from a packaging standpoint, the RF logo ball is just like one of the coolest things. It's yeah. Premium <laughs> packaging. And it's cool. I think there's like a little note too when you open it and kind of on the side of it. Um, but from a ball standpoint, he really selected that felt and that was what he kind of liked the most from the game. Um, and then the U.S. Open ball, right, you have your two, you have your extra duty and your regular duty. So the, the most popular one is probably the extra duty. And the, I mean, regular duty, I know, is professionally is for women, um, as well as some indoor courts. Um, and, and really, your difference is there is, again, sort of durability, maybe. Um, and it really also is reflected in the fluffing of the felt itself, actually. So your regular duty is going to play a little bit tighter, so play a little bit faster. Whereas your extra duty might fluff a little bit more. And then the aerodynamics of that are going to slow the ball down. Um, that's why, you know, outdoors, um, all of that, it tends to be the preferred ball. 
And, and yeah, like I said, core is very, very similar. Um, it's really just going to come down to the, the felt and, and the composition of the felt itself. Um, and all three of those balls, they're woven felts. And so they're really going to, yeah, they're going to, I mean, perfect cosmetics. Um, and then they're, it's literally woven. It's actually really cool. I've been to the felt manufacturer and it's kind of crazy watching it. Um, but it's literally the, the fibers are woven into, um, into the, the textile backing. It's pretty cool um, to just watch, <laughs> but um, but all three of them are really just premium level balls, and it's just going to come down to player kind of player preference on how fast you want the ball, how you want it to fluff, um, and then from there, um, just kind of the cool packaging of RF, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then is yeah. the RF like a more like a metal or like a tin can versus a plastic? And does that have anything? to do with like holding in the pressure better or is it just a yeah so the rf ball it is in a in a metal can um and just from a like from a premium standpoint it looks really really cool it's like a matte um black finish but from a performance standpoint it really has the same trade-off um the the metal can and the and the standard pc plastic can um they're gonna i mean they're gonna be on the shelf for the same amount of time neither of them are gonna lose a ton of pressure um, so you'll be good from that standpoint, um, from like a storage perspective, there isn't really any trade-offs. Um, it really just comes from like that premium look of the, of the metal can. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then I was going to touch on, sorry. Um, when you mentioned about the, the core of the balls, the premium core, and you said, um, little, little filler or no filler or whatnot, were you referring to like the premium natural rubber and then like fillers would be like another material mixed in with that or? Yeah. So all of our balls are really, I mean, all of our balls have really high quality cores. Um, the, the, honestly, the distribution of fillers to, to the rubber, it really actually kind of comes down to the weight of your belt. Um, it doesn't do anything really to the, I mean, the performance of the ball shifts a little bit, and you can sort of tune some of those, you know, deformation using your fillers. But from a performance standpoint, it really kind of comes down to the weight of your belt and how you tune your fillers to match the weight of, you know, how heavy or light your belt is. Gotcha. To get it into that that ITF or whatever yeah, that standard that spec. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. That was good to know. Mm-hmm. And then I was just going to ask you, so what differentiates Roger's ball from the U.S. Open? What does he prefer that the U.S. Open ball didn't have? So, um, so his ball, like I said, it's just a slight felt difference. And so the, the, distrib- the composition of it, you know, the wool is going to be, um, a slightly different wool composition. It's the same wool, like fiber. Okay. Um, everything. I mean, the materials are the same. Mm-hmm. It's just the percentage of the wool to your nylon is going to be slightly different. Okay. Um, and that, that ball was actually, again, I started in 18, so I, that ball precedes me, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I do know that, uh, that it is a unique ball to do him. And it's obviously completely separate. And again, just which one you prefer is going to depend on if you like a slightly faster ball. Um, obviously nobody does. <laughs> um, and then really just, just how, Honestly, just like, again, the, the surface you're on, mm-hmm. you know, what altitude, I mean, I guess altitude, you have your high altitude balls, but just, you know, what environment you're in. And then from there, how you want the ball to play over time. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's got to play, it's got to play great on grass. I'm assuming you know? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's made <laughs> for know. the Wimbledon court or something. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then from there, uh, those are kind of talking about the two premiums, the, the RF ball, the U S open. Now, um, kind of the more valuable price point, the championship ball. Um, could you maybe just go into detail, just maybe the way 
the the felt you know might be put on differently or anything construction wise different with that one yeah so the the process is going to be the same for all of our balls so the felt and the you know the making of the core and just the whole production process is the same the big difference here now is going to go to again like you said the felt um so instead of you know our rf and our us opens with your woven felt you're going to have a non-woven on your champ um so that one it's just a different felt construction um so the durability is actually it is a really high level durability um I just, I think from a performance standpoint, typically I prefer the woven. Um, so again, like you said, from a value ball standpoint, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing ball. I mean, you can put it in your baskets, you can put it in, you know, for high school tennis, league tennis, um, you know, any, any type of a situation where you might be wanting um, a ball that lasts a really long time and maybe performance isn't your high level, you know, your line one, then I think champ ball is an amazing, um, is an amazing choice to go with. I mean, like you said, it's a, it's also a good value. So you can buy a whole case of it, throw it in a throw it in a basket, and it'll um, last you know the same amount of time. Um, but you get um, a little more bang for your buck in that way. Yeah, and then also with the um, something that I was kind of researching, like the felt content itself, with that lower price point ball, is it more of a a more synthetic fiber than like a natural wool fiber, or is it like a different balance sort of thing compared to the the premium? So it depends on which non-woven you're talking about. Um, gotcha. Technically, the way the composition percentages tend to tend to be very similar. Um, the main difference is just that construction. So again, like I said, I mean, at the factory, it's both types of felts are are just pro- they're they're manufactured completely differently. So in your woven, it's quite literally you're weaving these fibers. Um, the non-woven sort of has um, it's it's like a needle punch where it's just more. Like I don't know how really to describe it, but there isn't like a solid structure to it. And so um, from a, from a cost standpoint, it's an amazing felt because it, it, it has, you know, very similar durabilities that you get with the non-woven or, or sorry, with the woven, but you just get it at a non-woven price point. Um, and then further, your logos are going to last uh, for a really long time on that type of felt as well. So again, going back to clubs, if you're wanting to, um, to kind of have these in baskets, it's a great, it's a great ball for that purpose as well. Gotcha. Yeah. And um, that's kind of where I was going to segue. I was talking about the synthetic fiber or the natural fiber, them being a blend of different fibers. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any ball that you're aware of, like on the market, that's a fully synthetic coat or a fully synthetic felt for, we get it a random question every now and then, but something that's more like a vegan friendly ball, I guess, like fully synthetic. Yeah. So, you know, not that I know of. Um, so our so our felts, they're, they're wool and typically a nylon. Um, and, and they do tend to be, they can range anywhere from, I mean, typically wool, um, tends to be the more dominant fiber. Um, but there are situations where it's closer to like a 50, um, but, but not that I know of, of a 100% synthetic because really what gives the ball like really high level properties and gives you that fluffing and, and gives you that, feel, um, you know, that hand feel when you're bouncing the ball is wool. So as you migrate away from, from wool fibers, you really, um, you sort of migrate away from performance. And so there could be, I mean, I I do know that there are some 100% synthetic felts that are manufactured. Um, I, I 
if they're on balls, I would assume they're probably like your very, very, very low level bag of balls. So mm -hmm. from a performance standpoint, you really don't, um, you, you err on the side of wool. Um, it gives you, like I said, that hand feel, the aerodynamics, you know, that durability. Um, and it also gives you just those consistent play characteristics throughout the whole time, right? Because it's going to fluff kind of continuously. Um, but it, it's from a, from like a, from an animal standpoint, right? I mean, the, I've actually, unfortunately I haven't been, I'm trying to convince, I'm trying, I'm trying to get to New Zealand, to be honest. I think that would be the yeah. best trip I could take at Wilson. But, um, but the, I mean, the sheep are, you, you, you have to, um, obviously when you take the wool off the sheep, you have to do that. That's a necessary animal care. Like that's necessary to the care of the animal, because if you don't, um, if you don't take that wool every year, then come winter time, they, I mean, it's like walking around with like a parka on, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. so it's really actually important and necessary to care of the animal. Um, mm. and honestly, I think the, the sheep that we get our wool from, I'm pretty sure they're taking, I'm pretty sure they have like, they're taking better care than I am. Like, <laughs> they have like a condo. Of, I'm jealous <laughs> of some of the things those sheep get, but, um. We have um, we have some interesting things. Um, you know, we, we work really closely, obviously, with our supplier, um, and then we work again really closely with uh, with the guys who supply the wool from. So we're close to that process, um, and we are. I mean, again, but that's my next trip. I'm going to New Zealand. I'll go yeah. shear sheep. <laughs> but um, there you go. yeah, I mean, not not off the top of my head. You know, we really rely on that. Um, that those natural fibers, honestly, from a sustainability standpoint too, I mean, the natural fibers are really what you would desire in different situations. You don't really want like, a whole synthetic chemical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Definitely. we keep diving into this vegan chat and I'm actually now like thinking about all the professional players who have kind of turned to a plant-based diet <laughs> and like no one seems to have a problem with the wool. So yeah, <laughs> but if there's any vegans out there who have an opinion, we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> so feel yeah. free to email us. <laughs> but yeah, we do get yeah. that question from time to time, but that's, it's a lot of information. Good to know. Yeah. 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 I think it would be pretty cool if you ended up going to New Zealand and you're out in the middle of nowhere and you see a a, a sheep with a full on optic yellow coat. <laughs> <laughs> They're not optic yellow, don't worry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah we'll oh, see. It's on my list. Like, yeah, I've, I've been post post COVID when all travel opens up. Hopefully, that's one of the first ones on my list. So nice. It's necessary. I'll say I, I have to check for. I have totally. to check for talk tennis. I have to check on the sheep. Yes, we but, need to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I guess that kind of covers the the balls that we carry, kind of the more traditional uh, type of ball that's been around for a really long time. And I guess that's kind of a good segue into the whole uh, Trinity ball itself and um, kind of the story there. And, and you know, for me, it's, it's more I want to kind of find out if there's really any like construction details that really separate it as far as pressure, as far as the core and the felt. But uh, I know that, you know, the, the real big thing with that Trinity ball is the whole sustainability aspect. And uh, that, that definitely is probably something we can, we can learn about from you too. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Trinity is just, it's in a, it's completely in a bucket of its own um, when we talk about our tennis balls. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an awesome ball. Um, if you haven't tried it out, I would definitely encourage everyone to do it. <laughs> um, but, so yeah, there's a ton of construction differences too. Um, it really is. Like I said, if you want to, um, if you want to unpack, I mean, just starting from the core, the core is very, very different. Um, so 
So this project actually started, I believe, back in 2017. So this also precedes me. I actually, when I first started, Wilson was in the playtesting um, kind of part of, of the original Trinity and getting as much very high level, you know, you're looking at college or WTA um, or ATP player feedback on this ball. So, so that was cool because I got to kind of learn about this whole um, secondary aspect of, of the development process when I first started. So yeah, the core itself, um, it is, we, so the, the engineers at Wilson, they had, um, they basically added a plastimer material, a very lightweight, low density plastimer material to the core. And so what this did was it made the density of the overall core compound, right? Which is just kind of a mixture of, you know, natural rubbers, synthetic rubbers, some, um, you know, some fillers, like I said, um, so by adding that, it decreased the weight of the core, um, and it actually made it significantly lighter. And like I said, the density was lower. So that allowed us to then increase the wall thickness of it, right? So the core itself is still the exact same weight because the material is just lighter, um, but the core itself is slightly thicker. So well, thicker, actually, a thicker wall, essentially. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So if you were to cut, you know, a U.S. Open in half, and then if you were to cut a Trinity ball in half you would see that the Trinity is thicker, but if you weigh them, they weigh the exact same. So that plastimer material sort of gave us this flexibility to be able to increase that wall thickness, which owes itself to the extended properties and durability, um, the use of the ball four times as long, right? So, so that's really one of the key core differences is adding that plastimer with that increased wall thickness. And then the felt separately was also a brand new felt um, that we developed really closely with our um, with our felt partners. And it is going back to so it is a it is a non-woven, right? So it is that that kind of needle punch process. Um, but it is one of our heavier felts, actually. And the reason we did this is because we again wanted that extended durability. So from a sustainability standpoint, you can kind of approach it from two ways. You can look at packaging, which is, I mean, we can talk about minute. But then you also can look at the ball. So the ball itself is going to last longer than literally any ball. Um, I've had balls that I've played with, you know, four, five, six times. <laughs> I've had balls sitting in my car in the middle of winter, in the middle of summer. I just, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy how, I guess, resilient this ball is, um, which again, is it, it kind of makes you consider all of the aspects where it would be such a good, um, a good use. You know, you're your baskets, your ball machines, your high school tennis, your um, even league tennis. If you want to go out there, if you have practices twice a week and a match on the weekends, you can use all the same. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it was a really, a really awesome development we were able to do. And it was really extensive. Play um, we play tested with uh, mostly college level players, but then also some WTA players and it was really, really positive feedback. So we, um, so yeah, I mean, it was released about, I would say a little over a year, but I feel like COVID gives you like a really weird perspective. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> so, it's been a bit. Yeah, it's been a yeah. while. Um, it's been longer than over a year, trust me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, and again, the, the feedback was really, really positive. So um, it was really our first step as a, um, as a company, but especially as, you know, within racket sports, of how do we make the, how do we make sport just more sustainable and more friendly towards the environment? that people can play for, you know, years and years to come. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's an awesome ball. Like I said, I encourage everyone to, to at least give it a try um, and kind of 
go from there. But I don't know if you have kind of any other extra questions. The, the packaging is too, it's really, really cool. Um, yeah, so we, we partnered with... <laughs> We partnered with a company uh, in Europe, so um, it has all the seals, all the approvals. Um, it's really as sustainable of a packaging as you can get, um, and the design of it is really cool as well. So we um, we designed it sort of uh, and kind of drew inspiration from a tennis uh, grip, like the grip of a tennis uh, racket. So you get a similar shape, and it's kind of um, kind of has that essence to it. Um, so from a design standpoint, it's really, really cool. Um, and then again, just from a sustainability standpoint, you can throw, it's biodegradable, it's compostable. Um, you know, it does have the lid, you can reuse it over and over again. Um, so yeah, like I said, just a two, a two part sustainability movement that we're trying to, we're trying to incorporate and in, in hopefully all of our products. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then with the construction of the ball, um, having that like thicker, you know, core wall, um, that leaves for like a smaller airspace inside the ball. Does that, um, I mean, is, is the ball have like a lower amount of like air pressure PSI or whatnot, typically compared to like, say a U.S. open ball or something like that? Yeah. So your Trinity is going to have, it's like a hybrid pressure. Um, so it is, it is pressurized. Um, it's not quite at the peak of, um, of your standard U.S. open or champ ball. Um, but again, it, the, the increased thickness as well as that plastimer, that plastimer was one of extremely resilient material. Um, I mean, it, it, it really owes itself to the, the rebound and the deformation properties of a tennis ball, even by itself. So, so it is a hybrid pressure. You're, you're not going to be pressurized at that same, like 13, 14 PSI. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but it is, I mean, it is, it is pressurized. So that's gotcha. sort of the common misconception of the ball too. <laughs> um, but yeah, they think because they don't get the satisfaction, no. I can't see the, the satisfaction <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> of opening the can that they're like, oh no. Yeah. Well, and, and you'll see it too. Again, it's sort of one of those things where it's like, like, I mean, you just have to try it. Um, I think especially in tennis, I mean, you're so conditioned to those responses. It's like popping the can, like you said, like sniffing the can, like yeah. all, all of those things that you love so much. Um, but really from a, from a sustainability standpoint, I mean, the ball is, I mean, it plays just well. I mean, we did blind play testing. We had, um, you know, our standard US Open as well as a Trinity with um, like Wilson 1 and Wilson 2 logos on them. You had no idea what to pitch. And, and it was like 50-50 split break even of the preference if people actually preferred this ball. So it really is just something where it's like, don't knock it till you try it. Yeah. <laughs> and just, um, and and again, it, it the durability, the, I mean, the value you get out of the ball just because of the miles and stuff. I mean, to me, I just, I really, I obviously believe in this project, right? This, this idea of sustainability and, and integrating it, but the ball itself is also a really high performance. Yeah. I'm a huge sustainability fan <laughs> as well. Um, I had a couple questions that I know pop up from time to time. Is it approved by the USTA and the ITF? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. It's approved. Um, it has, uh, it's been used and a couple of events, actually, um, I actually had a really cool experience 20 October of 2019. So the right before yeah, Everything last, probably my down. last, my last <laughs> trip that I went on. Um, but I went to, I was able to go to Shenzhen, China mm -hmm. and they used the Trinity tennis ball in the WTA future stars event. Um, so it's an mm -hmm. event. I don't know if you guys know, know about it, but it, it it's run, um, sort of the week leading up to the WTA finals. And it's like the top, um, it's like the top players from 
multiple countries um, around the world um, that are 14 and under and 16 and under. Oh, cool. And so, yeah. And so they got to play with this ball um, and they loved it. And it was actually really cool. I was able to get their feedback. Um, I was able to talk to them a little bit about college. Um, nice. It was just a fun experience overall, but the ball was used for that event and they absolutely loved it. And then also at that event, we were able to get some feedback from the pros um, partners that were there as well. So nice. the ball is approved um, and it's being used in some of these events. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, hopefully there, I mean, there's definitely more to come, um, but, uh, but yeah, definitely get out there try it out. <laughs> I was going to say, do you find that the next generation of players, like younger generations are really gravitating towards this idea more so than maybe someone that's older and more traditional in how, how they've been playing tennis or like, is the next gen like completely on board and like Trinity all the way? At least from what I've seen, it's actually, I mean, the people are really on board kind of all across the entire tennis scene, um, which is really great, which is really great to see. Um, I've had, you know, a ton of people play it, um, just from all, all age groups. I mean, yes, the next gen, um, I think they tend to be really vocal about it, right. They're on, they're on social media, they're on TikTok. Um, and so it's kind of, it's cool to see that unfold and, and just from sustainability being integrated into their everyday lives, playing a role in just their decisions that they, that they make daily, um, you know, sports or, or not related to sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do see, I mean, people are, people are really believing in the story and supporting what we're doing really all across the board. Um, so it's encouraging too. I mean, it obviously motivates us to continue developing the Trinity line, right? Like the Trinity pro. Um, and then it also is encouraging us to integrate different sustainability aspects into all of our products, whether it's rackets, um, but also another, our other sports, you know, team sports, baseball, you know, everyone is um, seeing the the reaction from Trinity and learning from it and then trying to kind of piece it together in the way that fits, fits for their sport. Nice. Are there any sustainable balls in other sports yet? You know, I'm not quite sure. Um, I think there. I, so I think there's levels, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure from a packaging standpoint, um, I think hopefully, I mean, like I said, I can, from a Wilson standpoint, we're really, I mean, we're, we're full on sustainability and, nice. and Trinity mm-hmm. is really our first step. Um, we are still learning. We're still trying to understand, you know, what our role is in all of this. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I will say that all the way from the top, all the way to the bottom, I mean, it's really high priority and and we're looking at it from multiple aspects and, and different perspectives of, of what, you know, what can we do today? What can we do in six months? What can we do in six years? Um, and even if it's really small steps, um, and even if it's steps that aren't necessarily like marketable, I mean, I think we do things like we, we do use, you know, reclaimed rubber, regrind in our tennis balls. I mean, we're trying to, we are trying to incorporate sustainable practices in our everyday production. And, and um, kind of taking steps in that direction from an overall company goal and company passion. It's nice to see the industry is following suit a little bit. I know Adidas has a huge sustainability effort. Nike started doing more sustainability and it's starting to pop up and it's becoming more common. So it's like, yay. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now you mentioned Trinity Pro. Sneak, little sneak peek, maybe. Uh, can you talk to us about that ball? And I'm sure Troy will have some technical questions about what separates the Trinity from the Trinity Pro and all that. But uh, give us the basics about the Trinity Pro. 
Yeah, uh, for sure. So the pro is so our second iteration of committee. Um, the committee will exist. It always is what it is. Um, and it is a great ball. I mean, it, there really wasn't, we we're, we're keeping Trinity as it is. We think it, it, it really, um, it serves its purpose really, really well. Um, but we did learn a lot from it. I mean, we did learn that some players prefer, um, you know, a ball that maybe has a little bit more bite to it, a little bit more speed. Um, and even going back to our original conversation of just premium versus champ felt, um, champ balls, even when the felt, I mean, we find people really pick up on, on the performance differences of a non-woven versus a woven. Mm -hmm. So our, our priority really, when we set out to do a Trinity pro is how do we get a woven felt on this ball. Um, and woven felts uh, tend to be a little heavier. So that forced us to adjust the core formula. Um, the core thickness is actually, again, slightly different here. Um, so, so we did have to make some modifications to the core in order to accommodate for a woven felt. Gotcha. So, so when you look at the pro, you're absolutely one, you're gonna see the felt difference. Um, it's it's basic, uh, this this felt is a version of our US Open felt. So it's gonna play very similarly to a US Open activity. So, so yeah, so that's the felt difference. And then the core as well, if you're playing like a Trinity side to side with the Trinity Pro, it's gonna feel faster. Um, it's gonna feel faster off the strings. It's gonna bounce out at you a little faster. Um, it's just gonna have a little bit more bite to it over overall. So. Um, so if you prefer that speed, um, Trinity Pro is definitely going to be the, the preferred ball in that franchise. But again, the Trinity ball exists as it is, and it suits a tremendous amount of players and, and people love it. So, so we're just kind of having these two work together and them to hit really just all the all the players and, and all their play styles. Nice. That's, that's good to know because anytime I'm playing with Michelle, <laughs> um, I'm looking for a ball that's really fluffy that bounces and kicks really high with topspin because okay, if, so, it's a, if it's a fastball, Michelle's just going to be blasting winners all day. See, she Trinity super hard Pro. And <laughs> Perfect for you, Troy. I'm telling you, I'll send you, I'll send you a sleeve. You can try it out. I got to use it. You don't even know because Chloe, I know has played high altitude indoor tennis <laughs> in Albuquerque. So she knows uh -oh. what's up. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, I know fast, right? <laughs> uh oh. The tennis warehouse court is so slow. We have an indoor court here and it's like slow and gritty. So like uh, the first time I come here, I'm like expecting it to be fast like that. Those courts in New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? I can't put the ball away on the second ball. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. What do you mean? I can't ace you every single point. Yeah. I know. I'm like, give me back my high altitude, <laughs> fast courts. <laughs> <laughs> so when can we expect to see the Trinity Pro available? When can we start hitting with it? Are they, is testing going on right now? Who's testing it? Give us all the insight. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it is finalized. Um, there, so, so again, so Trinity Pro, like the said, basketball is going to have your woven kind of really high level belt on it. And then it's going to be in the same, very similar packaging. It's the mm -hmm. same um, packaging partner. It's going to be a similar design. The graphics on it are going to be different. You will be able to tell the difference. <laughs> but it does have the same sustainability, um, you know, that uh, environmentally friendly packaging um, associated with it. And it similarly has, has really good durability. So from a sustainability standpoint, the Trinity and the Trinity Pro are, are you know, in the same bucket. It really just comes down to those two performance differences. And, and yeah, like I said, the ball is finalized. Um, we've done pretty extensive testing with it. It was definitely a trick because we were 
testing in the middle of COVID. So <laughs> I was definitely reliant on um, on sending, you know, sending testing kits to teams, um, to college teams in the area. Um, and then we also did some testing last year at Indian Wells, which was pretty lucky. I think that was the week before like the entire country shut down. So we slid in some testing right, right in there. So, so I mean, just to give you an idea there, I mean, it has been in development for a year and a half, two years. So, um, a lot of, a lot of sampling went into this and a lot of play testing behind it. Um, and yeah, it's coming out this summer. Um, I believe it's July. So keep an eye out for it then. Um, and again, just test them both against each other too, see which one you prefer. Um, and yeah, like I said, if you're looking for if you're looking for that fast winners quickly, maybe you opt for the pro. But let's go. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know if you guys have any two more like technical questions on how they relate to each other. Um, they do have so the cores are like I said to get that faster um, that faster feel and that faster bounce. They do have it's the same line of plasmer material, but they're different um, grades. So so that's how we got away with um, creating a faster core. Um, that's sort of the the main material difference there, um, and then a slightly adjusted wall thickness to accommodate for the um, increased weight of the rope belt. All in spec. Um, it's it's uh, being sent in for approval as we speak, so it's preliminarily approved. <laughs> so it should be USTA is all good. Um, ITF, all of um, all of the approvals are the same. And do you think we'll be seeing it as a ball of choice in any tournaments in the next couple years or next year even? So I would say I'm not quite sure yet. Um, I, I would say from a, so the future stars, like I mentioned, I think they're looking forward to, to using it. Um, and we do have a lot of conversations um, in, in places where this ball would be a good fit. Um, we don't want to, obviously we don't want to rush in and, and kind of fight off uh, you know, to too much or more than we can choose. So I think we're being really strategic with what types of events and, and what types of people um, we want to get feedback from and, and, and get it started. But I will say people are really excited to see it, to see it grow. Um, and like I said, the, the franchise should, I mean, it complements every type of player, um, really whatever surface you're on, you know, whatever, um, location you're at, um, whatever play style you have, um, the, the Trinity ball really, really should work. And that was something I was going to ask too. I know with the pros, we see obviously the ball changes. Mm-hmm. Would, if if a tournament were to adopt the Trinity Pro or the Trinity Ball, would there still be a ball change? Like technically we wouldn't need that, right? Or would the the felt wear out and that would cause a ball change? So I, I think that we, I think that would really come down to the preference of the WTA or the ATP mm-hmm. or whoever they want to. Um, and honestly, it probably would come down to those those players, um, and they would probably have to do some testing to determine what that game number is. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think there's a ton of possibilities. I think there's been a lot of conversations on whether you can reuse Trinities in backdraw matches. Whether mm-hmm. you, can, um, you know how how can we incorporate the sustainability benefits in, in situations, um, where people are using less balls in, in official events, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's a ton, I think there's a ton of things that we can keep looking into. Right. Um, mm-hmm. and a lot of that is just going to take partners with the right people. Um, we can, we can get as much play testing as possible. I mean, we can get so many people between, you know, college tennis, professional tennis, you know, rec tennis, um, you know, just in Chicago, there's so many ways that you can get play testing feedback, but from an organizational standpoint, I think we're just um, still working with 
working with the people in those areas and seeing how we can piece these two together. Right. I mean, has Roger tried it and has it passed his tests? That's all Roger that matters. Roger has tried it. He has <laughs> tried it. And we're going to get an RF Trinity ball. RF Trinity ball. We'll see. An RF Trinity ball. Let's go. Next TV, one. Uh, more to come. I'll let you guys know. I'll start working okay. on that tomorrow. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I was going to say, actually, we sponsor a couple of players that play ITF and WTA and ATP. And Troy and I were noticing that one of the players went to play an ITF and because of COVID situations, every tournament seems a little different and they didn't have practice balls for the players. So I feel like Trinity would be such a great ball to always have in your bag. Like no matter what, you have no excuse to like get out there you don't have to go buy a new can. You're like good to go. So. Yeah. Well, it's great too. Cause you don't even need, um, I mean, you can just put the balls loose. I mean, you can put them in your, in your luggage, you can put them in your duffel, you can put them in your, um, in your tennis bag, in your gym bag. I mean, I any pack. <laughs> yeah, in your family. The convenience of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it really does. I think there's there's a ton of ways you can incorporate it and just always be prepared. So the convenience alone is great. Um, the sustainability is great. The durability, amazing. Um, so it is just finding finding places where it fits the best. Um, again, which ball? Are you, do you want the crazy? You want the pro? Um, yeah. Different <laughs> different properties, whatever um, whatever kind of fits. And then I have to bring this up because I've mentioned it before on a podcast, but I don't think a lot of tennis players are actually educated about this. Uh, the can of balls that you open, the plastic can of balls that you open with a metal can top container is not completely recyclable until you completely remove all of the metal. And it like breaks my heart every single time I, I have to throw it away. Like even to the point where yesterday I was playing around and trying to cut off the top and it's not, that's not easy. It's not easy. I've tried myself as well. <laughs> yeah, no, that is the frustrating thing is, is balls today or tennis cans today are, are not really recyclable. Um, I think there's, there might be, I mean, there might be some cycles um, that are able to separate it um, or kind of um, I know people can get really creative and they can they can grind it up and then separate the material that way um, but yeah I mean just from a from a standpoint of waste management and, and recyclability I think there's a ton of plastics are, are actually not recyclable even at the grocery store um, even at you know apart from sporting goods but like there's just this whole level of of plastics that people think are recyclable, but they really aren't. Um, and so, and so that's why, you know, just integrating everyday practices of like switching out, you know, a, a traditional tennis ball for the Trinity tennis ball is like such an easy, I mean, to me, it's a no brainer, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then further, I mean, once you start making those small steps, I think it's, it's really easy to start incorporating similar decisions into your everyday life. You know, like you just always walk around with a water bottle. You don't need a plastic water bottle. Um, you know, so, so that's the good thing is if any, I mean, that's the other thing we're saying is Trinity is starting a really good sustainability conversation. Um, like you said, there's so many companies that are so, I mean, so far ahead of us and, and, you know, Adidas and, and Patagonia and all of these, you know, really sustainable brands. Mm -hmm. And so kind of using that as, as, as how do we, how can we take what they, how can we learn from them? How can we take sort of the practices they have and fit them into into tennis balls or tennis rackets or, or some other hard goods. Um, Cause each company is going to be unique and each product, especially is unique, how it's packaged it requires, you know, tennis cans are an, an extremely hard material <laughs> to find a replacement for because of that, um, mm -hmm. that air pressure that it requires. And so um, the permeation of those balls is so important, um, mm -hmm. which is why Trinity, the ball itself is such a cool innovation. 
but, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's, that's the cool thing about working for Wilson is there's so many sustainability initiatives and projects we're working on. And there's definitely more to come in that realm. Um, not just from tennis, but really across the entire. entire company. Nice. That's good to hear for sure. Um, I was also going to ask you, do you see the future of tennis balls going this way right now? Wilson's leading the charge with the sustainable story on the tennis balls. Do you think that the rest of the brands are going to follow suit and everyone's going to catch up? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I hope so from a from a just a consumer standpoint. I really hope all of all of the brands are are investing in sustainability. and, And, you know, that's the best way to to advance in that technology and to create a movement within the sport, right. Is when you have a little, um, you know, when you have multiple brands and you have competing technologies and, and that's kind of how you push innovation. So from just a standpoint, I would love if all of the brands were working on sustainability. Um, it's really, really important to me. Um, I'm actually pursuing my master's right now and I'm focusing in sustainability, um, not in engineering and <laughs> getting my MBA, but, um, but I'm focusing on sustainability and how do you incorporate that into into a business um, that's um, that's sustainable as well as you know efficient and and actually effective. Um, you know you don't want to be wasting time and, and people's people's time, people's money on on sustainability initiatives that don't stick. So mm-hmm. um, so we'll see. I mean, like I said, we have some really cool stuff at Wilson. Um, you know, we're looking at all aspects of our products, um, the products themselves as well as the packaging. Um, and just, you know, how it's manufactured. Um, I think there's so many angles you can look at sustainability and, um, and so just keeping that in mind as we go and really just trying to learn. I mean, learn from the companies that are in sports, learn from the ones that aren't. Um, I think there's a ton of ways that we can incorporate different, different findings and sort of make it our own from there. And, and yeah, as the consumer pays attention to those, then obviously that's going to encourage companies to, to keep, Kind of driving in those directions. So well said. Well, I Troy, do you have any other questions? Um, I did have a last or a last couple things that um, maybe you can touch on and you know just go through it briefly. But um, I haven't got a whole lot of information on like the actual. Well, I, we talk about pressure inside the ball, but um, the actual air or specific you know compound of gases that go inside of it um from what i've researched so far it seems like they just use like a natural air and you know go to pressurize the inside of the ball um is there anything specifically that you know you can add to that or yeah so the ball is pressurized in um so so obviously the the can is pressurized and then the ball is also pressurized um so Usually, I mean, usually depends. It's in nitrogen, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, and it and it usually a typical tennis ball will start once you pop that can. That tennis ball will immediately start permeating that air. So you're you you basically have like a timer that starts right, and and it depends on how quickly. I mean, it depends on where you are, the temperature, um, you know, the just little things, your altitude, your temperature. Um, whether it is being used or whether it's just sitting. I mean, there's so many factors that go into how long um, a ball will last. And it just, it just depends. Um, yeah. But yeah, once you open that can, you, you pretty much, you can't undo it, right? Unless you can repressurize a can, but yeah. <laughs> I'd be impressed if people were, were doing that. <laughs> gotcha. And then also the last thing that I had um, regarding the pressure of the ball and um, Michelle was even mentioning earlier, talking about New Mexico and high altitude. 
uh, with a high altitude tennis ball? Is there, or what is the main difference in the construction of it that makes it work better in those altitudes? Yeah, for sure. Um, I played, I grew up in high altitude, Michelle and I, <laughs> we were talking about that earlier. Um, I grew up in New Mexico, so I'm very familiar with, um, with high altitude balls, um, regular altitude balls, even green dot balls. We were playing with those sometimes at altitude. Hmm. Um, but yeah, the main difference you're going to find between those balls is just in the ball pressure. Um, gotcha. balls, the cores, belts, everything is typically the same. The high altitude balls are just pressurized at a slightly lower pressure. Um, and this is really just to, to accommodate for the, the speed, right? When you go to altitude, everything is so much faster. So to accommodate for that, you, um, you just slightly decrease the pressure. Um, and then I will say it's also temperature dependent, right? So usually in the winter, um, when it's really cold, it's not as important to play with high altitude balls. You can typically get away with a regular altitude ball. Um, it's only when it's really warm at altitude that you want to play with a high altitude ball. Okay. So when it's really warm and the high altitude, that's. Yeah. Cause it'll, can't. cause obviously, I mean, it, yeah. when you play tennis in, in the cold, it's like those balls are rocks. rocks. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and it's slow and you're like, you don't want to move. You feel like you're like the guy in Christmas story. Like running around. But, um, but yeah, so low, if it's cold, you can absolutely, if it's cold at altitude, you can absolutely get away with um, a regular altitude ball. You don't need a high altitude. I'm having like flashbacks of like training, depending on where we were traveling. Yeah, all of it. You have to, well, yeah, especially I feel like uh, it was interesting playing because I I grew up obviously in New Mexico, but I played a lot in Arizona. So um, going from high altitude to low altitude, I was really, really accustomed to it. And I traveled to Arizona like probably once every two weeks at like the the thick of it, right? And um, it was always interesting when to me going from high altitude in the summer to low altitude, I was I love this. I yeah. can just hit the ball as hard as I possibly want. Right. And it was funny just going the opposite way. Um, I would have friends in Arizona and they would come to Albuquerque and they'd be like, I can't swing the ball at all. So <laughs> altitude, altitude is definitely an interesting factor um in 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 playing. It's uh, it's kind of fun though. I don't know. I it is fun. The wind, altitude, I oh, always kind of liked the I <laughs> kind of really always liked the flashbacks. weird things that would yeah. happen. <laughs> Nice. But, oh, so yeah, my, my takeaway message from the high altitude ball is it slows it down. So next time I go on the slow T-Dub indoor court, I'm using high altitude balls <laughs> indoors and I'm going to, and then Michelle's going to ask me to string a racket. I'm going to string it about 90 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to sure. have a good shot that day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now I'm thinking we used to like, when we were training for clay courts, like this is way, way, way back in the day. Um, I remember we had coaches that took the oldest, fluffiest ball, soaked it in water, and then Ugh. gave it to us to play. Troy, that's what you need. There you go. <laughs> it was great idea. The worst. <laughs> I'm like, give me the hardest, like firmest, fastest ball out there. Let's go. <laughs> Trinity Pro sounds like it's up my alley. <laughs> Who knew we could talk about tennis balls for? Well, you probably knew. Chloe. I talk about tennis balls all day. Are you kidding? <laughs> I just also like have to give you props. I think it's so cool, like the job that you're doing. Like you, it's such an interesting, specific position you're in, and you're a tennis player through and through. So it's like all of your passions aligning, and like you're young and you're doing all this cool stuff. So I'm really props to you. Ah, thank you. No, I'm super, I mean, I'm super appreciative of the opportunity I got at Wilson. Um, Again, like I said, it was definitely a right place at the right time. And I have not looked back since. So I've been able to do really cool traveling. I got to meet some awesome players. Um, Anytime you get to, you know, talk tennis balls for an hour on a 
Wednesday, Thursday, anytime you lose track of the day, right? Hey, right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, it really is, it's a dream. So I don't, uh, I don't take the, I don't take it for granted whatsoever. And I, I'm excited about the, you know, the vision, the, the sustainability and, and all the projects, like I said, um, I would say more to come, but, um, but I'm sure you guys know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can, yeah. Lots more to come. We're excited to see the direction that you guys get to go. I'm excited to hit the Trinity pros. We're going to have to ask you guys for a sneak peek or some samples. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I will. I will definitely, I'll follow up. I'll get some sent. Okay, cool. I have some, I have some literally in my house. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Cool. Troy, anything else on your end? Uh, one last thing that just popped in my <laughs> head, and this should be a real quick answer, but um, the really cheap pressureless balls, like the ones, the coach ball or whatever it is, the pressureless, is that a completely solid rubber core? Is it just a really thick rubber core? No, it's not solid. Um, it's still, it's still a core. Um, I mean, it still has like a hollow, hollow space in it, but, but yeah, I mean, those things, they're just, um, they tend to be lower quality cores. Um, gotcha. Yeah. And then going back to those felts are typically um, really, really high in that synthetic fiber. So they yeah. don't fluff. They don't give you much feel. They feel really rough on the surface. Um, but yeah, they're uh, they're still sort of like a standard tennis ball in that they do have um, they do have a hollow core on the inside. Gotcha. Okay. That was what I was wondering. Awesome. Well, you answered all our questions and then some. It was so delightful talking to you and hopefully we get to do more of this in the future. I'm so glad we connected and all of the above. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited. Uh, like I said, I'll talk about tennis balls any day. So <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll definitely, like I said, we've been kind of doing, it's been what, two weeks of this research from our end. And we've talked to some of your colleagues already and we've talked to some other brands and vendors, but I think um, it will be really cool. We're trying to put together all kinds of information for the consumer to just really be educated when they're ball shopping. And I think you've given us so much information that will help make that choice easy. Yeah, no, thank you guys. I appreciate, uh, I, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Awesome. Definitely. Oh, well, and then one last side question, <laughs> yeah. um, not related to tennis at all, but is the green chili in New Mexico <laughs> as good as Michelle hypes it up to be? Oh, it's better. It's, it's better. better. Okay. You put it on anything. You put it in ranch. You put it on pizza. They put it on chocolate. They put it oh, in coffee. Great. Like, come on. Everything. Like, yeah. It's we like, could it's... also talk about this for an hour. <laughs> okay. That's another. I get topic. it. I literally get it shipped to me. Okay. See? Okay. See? Dang. Dang. Uh, okay. And I don't, Chicago, I don't know what they think. But in California, they think chili is spelled with an I at the end. And they're just like Anaheim green chili. It's the same thing. I'm like, it's not, it's though. Not. It's really not. No, no, there's only there's only one green chili. It's spelt with an E. And it's yeah, anything, anything you want. Anything you want to put it on, you do. I'm thinking Dang. of doing a road trip this summer through Albuquerque. So if I go, I'll I'll pick some extra up for you and send you some. Yes. We'll trade. I'll send you Trinity Pros. You send me green chili. Perfect. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. See, I just have to go. Trader Joe's has a really good, almost the same green chili. Um, I think it's legit from, Al or not from Albuquerque. The hatch. The, the hatch. hatch. Yeah, yeah. It's from hatch. <laughs> but do you miss that smell in the fall? I always tell them and they're like, what are you talking about? The roasting yep. of the chilies. Oh. Yep. It's everywhere too. You just drive down and it's like, I mean, it, there's literally in parking lots all over the place. You just see people roasting, roasting chilies. <laughs> oh, I told you they think I make this stuff up. <laughs> all, right, all right. I believe, I believe. <laughs> and then the air, hot air balloons. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's been a bit. Fall time, fall time in Albuquerque yeah. is, is about as good as you can get. <laughs> 
It's pretty legit. Uh, <laughs> well, Chloe, thank you so much for joining us. And thanks everyone for listening. Troy, thanks for joining me as well. And if anyone has questions, feel free to email us at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com. And until next time, happy hitting. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you download your episodes. And be sure to visit our websites for all of the tennis deals at tenniswarehouse.com, tenniswarehouseeurope.com, and tennisonly.com.au. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And until next time, happy hitting. Happy hitting.